You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. In today's edition of Locked On Nittany Lions, we are grading the team again, position by position to open up this episode. Go through the offense, defense, and special teams through four games. And James Franklin had his weekly press conference yesterday. Go through some important quotes that stood out for me and what it means for the Penn State football team. And tomorrow we are crossing things over. Yes, the weekly crossover. And this is going to be fun because we get to look at Northwestern and Carter Bird, host of Locked on Northwestern will be joining me for a 30-minute show to preview the Nittany Lions and the Wildcats and how they stack up against each other for this Saturday's contest at Beaver Stadium. And Penn State is currently a 28-point favorite. The total is set around 52.5 at last time I checked. Well, let's jump right into it, grading each position through four weeks in the season. And we will start with the offense again. Quarterback gets an A, and it's going to stay that way. Last week I had them at an A. This week is still an A. Uh, Sean Clifford, really no complaints. If you missed the last episode, I gave my case as why Sean Clifford should be a Heisman contender at this point, at least a dark horse candidate. One turnover in four games, and the only one was an interception against Purdue. It was a pick six, but the offense has been clean ever since. This team is 4-0. and uh, Sean Clifford has thrown for almost 900 passing yards, eight touchdowns to one interception, and four rushing touchdowns on top of that. So he is responsible for 12 TDs in an offense that had scored 35 against Purdue, 46 against Ohio, 41 on the road at Auburn, and then la- just last week, 33 against Central Michigan. Also, the reason quarterbacks get an A is because of the depth behind him. We've seen solid play from Drew Aller. Christian Vieira's gotten a little bit of action this year. Now, I really would have liked to have seen Bo Prabula in the game against Central Michigan, but it wasn't that type of game. I think eventually people will remember that he was a highly recruited quarterback in this class. I know Drew Aller gets all the attention. He's jumped up to number two, which shows... Just how quickly he's developed. But Bo Prabula is a guy that shouldn't be slept on, especially long-term for Penn State if he decides to stick around. I think Sean Clifford graduating and moving on after this season. Then you have two years of Drew Aller starting. Bo Prabula is the next man up, if I'm being honest. And it's no disrespect to Christian Vayer, but since he's on the same timeline as Drew Aller, I can't imagine that Christian Vayer is going to stick around at Penn State knowing that he could be a starter at another school and get serious playing time. Quarterbacks get an A. You have a really good situation right now. You can feel comfortable with Sean Clifford being the starting quarterback, and if he has to come out of the game for whatever reason, Drew Aller and Christian Veyer are both immediately capable if they need to step in. Moving to running back, it's going to stay an A. It was an A last week. It's still an A. You had the third consecutive game in a row where someone ran for over 100 yards. This time around, it was Catron Allen. Nicholas Singleton did it back-to-back weeks, and both those guys have been named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Singleton was named it back-to-back, and then Allen took that mantle. 
it's a revelation the way that these running backs play uh, and, and the room's a lot deeper Kevon Lee's a little banged up we'll see how available he is especially now that we're back into Big Ten play uh, Devin Ford is the capable veteran in the room as well and the quote-unquote pass catching back even though Penn State really hasn't had to run any game plan any game script where you have to get the back extremely involved because you're down by a few scores and you got to go hurry up and check down. But Devin Ford would essentially be that player. The fact that the offense hasn't had to be in that kind of situation, uh, but still, I I am okay with whatever running back is out there. Uh, and, and it is an A because Singleton and Allen have shown that they are the best of the bunch. They've really stepped up. They've really emerged. I thought it was going to be about this time that you would start to talk about them, but they were two, three weeks ahead of schedule, and I'm glad that they are basically the one-two punch, and whoever's better that day, just let them go off and run. Moving to wide receivers. Now, last week I grouped them as pass catchers, but I think wide receivers and tight ends need their own grouping. Uh, the wide receivers for me go from a B plus to a B minus. Uh, this was a game against Central Michigan where I felt like they didn't get open enough. Um, they were felled, they were held fairly in check. Parker Washington had an okay day, of course. Uh, he did lead the team in receiving. Mitchell Tinsley has been has shown solid production. I just want to see more from the wide receivers. Again, Penn State hasn't been in a situation where they need the wide receivers to take over a game, but. Against an opponent like Central Michigan, it just felt like they were blanketed pretty well, and that might have been a little bit of scheming. Other than that, the wide receivers are still in the B range, for my opinion, just uh, closer to a B minus uh, since they struggled a little bit against Central Michigan. The tight ends now, as an individual group, go from a B plus to an A minus, and a lot of that workload comes from Brenton Strange. Brenton Strange had two touchdowns again uh, against Central Michigan. And he's become Mr. Reliable for Sean Clifford. And I thought it was going to be an even battle as far as Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, and Brenton Strange. But Brenton Strange has reassured all of us that he is the number one tight end in this room. They are all very productive when they need to be. Uh, so if Strange were ever to go down, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, I think, would step up into that role immediately. But across the board, uh, it's just been Brenton Strange leading everything when it comes to the tight ends. Uh, and they are all so good at blocking, too. Uh, you saw when Brenton Strange and Tyler Warren were on the field together, they were able to seal the edge. And that was such a huge criticism from me personally last year when this team was on the field. Strange, It, it felt like Strange was having a hard time understanding the blocking schemes. And same with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, just not sealing the edge that backside defender would always catch up to the running back I think it helps when you have faster guys like Singleton and Catron Allen but the tight ends have really been a force acting as sixth and seventh offensive linemen for Penn State to the offensive line they go from a B plus to a B uh it was a game that saw Central Michigan get a lot of pressure but only one sack allowed late in the game when Drew Aller was in uh, they also paved the way for three consecutive 100-yard rushing games by Penn State, so that is why they are still in the B range. Uh, but they they did everything right, and they were perfect against Auburn, and I just felt like they took their their foot off the pedal when it came to Central Michigan. Olu Fashionu looked like he struggled a little bit, and that was the first time we really had to look at him in a negative spotlight. He played an okay game. But Central Michigan seemed like, out of all the teams, that was the the most difficult performance 
that he had to to go through. Offensive line still really nice that they've stepped up in this manner, and hopefully they are ready to go against Northwestern. To the defense, defensive line goes from a B to a C, and I've just been really underwhelmed with their performance. A, a, a team like Penn State that has blitzed as much as it has, especially af- over these past three games of Ohio, Auburn, and Central Michigan, the defense uh, has had nine different players have sacks, and a lot of them are from the secondary and the linebacking position. Denied Dennis Sutton had two. Uh, against Central Michigan, but it was late in the game, and the way the game script was unfolding, those were situations for any pass rusher to really get some late sacks. I'm not saying Deny Dennis Sutton didn't earn them, but Central Michigan was airing it out and trying to let pass plays develop, so it allowed opportunities for guys to get home and finally make the sack, which is why it was so interesting to me when Manny Diaz was sending the house, he was sending plenty of blitzers, that nobody along the defensive line was getting home, was getting these sacks, and how is that going to look against Big Ten offensive lines? That is what I'm thinking about. I I really could care less how the team actually performed against Central Michigan, but if this is an indicator of what it's going to be like against a Michigan, against an Ohio State, uh, against a Minnesota team that we are finding out slowly but surely, they are better than advertised, and that's the whiteout game, but it is not going to be a slam dunk for Penn State by any means. All these teams are good. All these teams are physical. Heck, even Northwestern. Northwestern has four starting offensive linemen back from a year ago and a first-round pick on the left side at left tackle. The defensive line is going to have to be just a little better. P.J. Mustafer has probably been the best player on the defensive line, and that's really saying something for him to come off of knee surgery. Same with Adisa Isaac. He came off of his own surgery as well, and he's playing not to, I think, his full potential, but he's a lot ahead. Of, he's a lot further ahead of schedule than originally would imagine. But Nick Tarburton has disappointed. I think Hakeem Beeman has disappointed. Now, depending on who you ask, he had his best game against Central Michigan, but that's supposed to be one of your regular rotational guys, and he's just been a little disappointing. If the defensive line can continue to stuff the run, especially when it comes to these Big Ten teams that they're going to see, because you're going to see a lot of run-first teams, Just keep an eye on Penn State's defensive line because they can make or break the way this defense goes. Shifting to linebacker, you go from a B to a B plus from last week. Uh, The linebackers, now that you have Abdul Carter mixing in a little more, you're seeing him behind Curtis Jacobs, but you're also seeing him on the field with Curtis Jacobs. His athleticism, his knowledge of the game as a true freshman has been undeniably beneficial for Penn State because now you are able to go to a 4-2-5 and keep both Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs on the field in third down situations or just use that formation in general. You also saw them go to dime. I don't know if anybody noticed that. They went to a dime package, which is a 3-2-6. And who were those two linebackers? Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter. So Abdul Carter makes this group so much better, but Tyler Elsden has been performing very well. Kobe King, uh, even though he's behind him on the depth chart, both of those guys, either of them could start. Uh, They are not interchangeable because they're better at different things on the field, but I'm comfortable with either of them 
getting playing time in whatever role that is, a starter or somebody who comes off the bench. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland, I think, struggled a little bit against Central Michigan, but that's besides the point. It wasn't anything glaring. The linebackers, highly criticized over the summer, have played exceptionally well given the circumstances. Uh, B+, and it's nice to have the emergence of a guy like Abdul Carter. To the secondary, they go from an A to an A+. The secondary forced how many takeaways? Three against Central Michigan. You had the two interceptions, Johnny Dixon and Zachy Wheatley. And then you had uh, Curtis Jacobs recover the muffed punts. So that doesn't necessarily, it counts as a takeaway, but Central Michigan gave Penn State the football. Uh, but the defensive backs continue to, to just wreak havoc. Kalen uh, King forced a fumble and then recovered it. He was the highest graded defender by PFF coming out of the weekend, you could start any of those guys and you would still get the same level of production. That is why you are seeing six to seven defensive backs on the field at one time. And that's crazy to think that you can have that many defensive backs and be as stingy on defense in the Big Ten, a run-first conference. So as Big Ten plays continues along, I want to look at the defensive backs to see if they will be able to handle a little more run first, a little more physicality rather than the finesse and and passing and spread offenses. But the defensive backfield, A+, and it's a resounding A+. I have no no doubt about that grade whatsoever. And through the special teams, we'll go pretty quickly. Barney Amore has been outstanding at punting A+. From that category, especially since I thought that Penn State would take a step back without Jordan Stout. They have not. Barney and Moore doesn't have the same leg strength, but he is just able to pinpoint the football wherever the heck he wants to kick it. And that is, that's a luxury that Penn State really needs. It means that they will control the football field and, and flipping the, being able to still flip the football field really benefits a team that is already better, that is better on offense compared to a year ago. A punt return with Parker Washington back there gets a B. He hasn't returned one to the house yet, but he is able to make people miss and get some chunk yardage when needed to. Place kicking, this is the biggest concern of mine out of all the positions, and that is a C-. Sanders Sahadak's coming in for long field goals. Jake Penninger's still a little unreliable in shorter field goals. Even on PAT, they've missed a couple PATs here. And if any game comes down to... A game tying or a game winning kick? Is Jake Pinnegar going to be able to make it? Are they going to call in Sanders say, hey, Dak, if it's a little too long? I just don't know what it means for the place kicking. And, and it's still something. I have a lot of more questions than I do answers. Kickoff gets a B plus. Uh, James Franklin actually criticized the group. So this is something that I'm going to steal from him in terms of feedback. Uh, James Franklin said that they haven't been consistent enough getting the football through the end zone uh, on kick coverage. Uh, Kick coverage has been good, but he actually criticized the guys kicking off, whether it's Sanders Sahadek or Gabe Wosu saying they're just not doing enough booting the ball uh, deep down the field. And kick return, I will go C-, but this is a more generous C- than the place kicking. 
A kick return, this is just me, I guess, being spoiled, and we haven't seen a Penn State kick return for a touchdown in a while. Uh, whoever is back there, whether it's Devin Ford or Singleton, has been taking a lot of the returns back. He gets to about the 20 or the 25. I don't think we've seen even a kick return go to the 50 just quite yet. Uh, if that can be the case, great. But I know kick return is so much different and kickoff as a whole because of all the rule changes to protect players, of course, first and foremost. But it's definitely changed the dynamic of special teams. Uh, and if kick return just... When somebody's back there to field the ball for the Nittany Lions, I really don't think anything of it. I just say, hey, just don't fumble the football and get back to the 25, and let's just start this thing. I never am sitting there like, oh, man, someone's going to break off a big run, right? I don't really have to worry about that. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news and podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games, events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net, use your mobile device to learn more, Bet online, where the game starts. Up next, we get to hear from James Franklin. A few quotes that I picked out from his weekly press conference yesterday. I will react to them and find out. Let's find out what he said about this Nittany Lion football team. It's Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks for joining me on Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. James Franklin said, "What." A couple of quotes that stood out to me from his weekly press conference yesterday. Uh, By the time we would go through all of the things that he said, uh, it would take more than just the 45 minutes that he gave to the media. The first one we're going to address uh, is his question about Drew Aller. And people are already looking ahead, saying that Penn State should blow out Northwestern. Tomorrow we do have the crossover episode. Uh, Myself and Carter Bird will preview the Wildcats and the Nittany Lions and, and get to have a discussion about this. But James Franklin was asked this. You've discussed trying to get Drew Aller a second quarter series against Ohio and Central Michigan. Are you planning to try again Saturday? What in-game criteria do you use to determine whether it's feasible? James Franklin said, we want to try to get. We've had a very similar discussion about how we're going to run and uh, rotate in Hunter Norzad and how we're going to rotate in Bryce Effner, the running backs. I can go on and on at every position on both sides of the ball. But yeah, I think more experience that we get for guys, his situation is probably a little bit different because he just hasn't played college football as much. But the more experience that we can gain and allow those guys to get, the better we are. Fortunately, Sean Clifford and the offense and the coaches and the defense have allowed us to be in the situation where we've been able to get the time in every game and not just Drew, but CV, Christian Bayer as well. There's a ton of value in that. We would love to be able to do that again this week. We have not talked about our strategy about that this week yet. We always will do that as a coaching staff first and then talk to the players about what our approach would be before I would make any announcements in the public with the media, but we've got a ton of respect for Northwestern, and most importantly, we've got to find a way to be 1-0 this week. So all of us in the media are hoping that Drew Aller can see this game as another time to get experience. Nobody expected Drew to go in against Auburn, but that was besides the point. Uh, James Franklin, in a little bit of coach speak, is saying that 
we are not specifically singling out Drew Aller and how can we get him in every single opponent? How can we get him third and fourth quarter snaps and maybe taking advantage of a favorable matchup against the Northwestern, Central Michigan, Ohio? There's more guys on this roster than just Drew Aller and trying to get him into the game. I totally get where the question is based on. As a four-touchdown favorite, would you like to get your backup quarterback some significant reps against a fellow Big Ten opponent? I know that James Franklin in his head says, yes, but you have to be up to that point. Is the game going to necessarily unfold that way? Who knows? And you hope that it does. But for James Franklin, uh, it's about getting other guys rotated back in on the offensive line, the running backs as well. Wide receivers uh, are important too. And he's just not thinking about hey, when can we get Drew Aller into the game so that we can give some, that we can relieve Sean Clifford? Everybody likes to talk about Drew Aller, but finally somebody asks a question about Sean Clifford, and the question goes like this. We're about a third of the way through Sean's final season. How would you evaluate what he's done so far, and where have you seen him take a step in his last year? And James Franklin said, I think he's much more of an even-keeled quarterback than I've seen in terms of his demeanor. I still think he's having a ton of fun competing and being a leader. All the things that he's done for a while, but he's just more even keeled. He's not getting too high when things are good. He's not getting too low when we preferred to have a play back. And that I see as much as anything. Then I think what you're trying to do at all positions, but obviously at the quarterback position, is trying to maybe trying to reduce or eliminate those three to six plays a game that you'd like to get rid of. And I think he's really done a good job of that. You look at his numbers right now, and he's responsible for 12 touchdowns, one turnover, 64% completion percentage. And I think that could be even better. Almost 1,000 yards, 39 points, and most importantly, 1-0 and each week. He's doing a great job for a six-year quarterback. He's done a lot for Penn State. As you guys know, I've got a ton of respect for him and what he's done for this university and what he's done for the football program. And on top of that, always represented us in the right way off the field as well. So James Franklin is clearly a fan of Sean Clifford being a Heisman contender at this point. I'm, I'm kidding. But I think he knows that. I think if it came out uh, later that, hey, Sean Clifford now has boosted odds uh, in the betting market or is starting to get some respect in the media for being a Heisman contender, Sean Clifford, uh, that James Franklin would very much agree. I mean, that is his quarterback. Uh, so nothing completely out of the ordinary, but... Uh, Coach James Franklin has stood behind Sean Clifford. He He's not being critical of him at all. And Sean Clifford has taken a step forward. There are moments where Sean Clifford could have that bad play. And that was something that Penn State fans and people in the Penn State media have been extremely critical about Sean, is that he turns the ball over at the most inopportune times. It's not how many turnovers he has, it's the turnover. And we saw that peak its ugly head in the Purdue game but ever since then, and it's also bouncing back from that. I think the Sean Clifford of old doesn't necessarily bounce back from that pick six at Purdue and they lose that game. This year, it's different. And whether that's just taking him the six years or that's because he has a better supporting cast around him and Penn State is past the, the COVID period of, of college football, but he's just been better. And that's the fact of the matter. And, and it's been a lot better. And this team is as good as Sean Clifford will allow them to be, and, and he's allowed them to be very good to this point.
It's still a lot of football left to be played. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires and versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Zach Seiko, your host of Locked On Nittany Lions, and we return more from James Franklin in his weekly press conference yesterday as we look at the defense and what Franklin had to say about them. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. In our final segment today, uh, James Franklin commented on the defense and some specific players as well from the defense. Tomorrow we have our crossover episode. I will be joined by Locked On Northwestern host Carter Bird. And for just about 30 minutes, we are going to preview the Wildcats and the Nittany Lions. So that is tomorrow's episode. Be sure to be on the lookout for that one wherever you get your podcasts. James Franklin was asked about Manny Diaz and how he would evaluate him. So how would you evaluate Sean Clifford? How about your fellow coach? How would you evaluate Manny Diaz? The question specifically went, how would you evaluate Manny Diaz's job through four games? How do you think he's finding his way with this program? And how are the players adapting to it? And James said, I think really good. First of all, the guys like and respect him, which I think is important. I think stylistically and maybe visually, it looks a lot different than how we played in the past. Obviously, the turnovers are significantly different, especially in the last two games. But I think our guys are getting more comfortable and more confident each week. I think he's getting more confident and comfortable each week in terms of knowing who our players are, what their strengths are, and what their weaknesses are. How you call a game based on knowing your personnel better and getting more comfortable and familiar with the league. But I think really good. Really good. I think at the end of the day, points are the most important stat for an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. And then the other two that we know that we talk about all the time is explosive plays and turnovers. And probably the area that we could probably take the next step as a defense is reducing some of the explosive plays. That last bit that James Franklin throws in there isn't a jab at Manny Diaz by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Since James Franklin's philosophy is the explosive plays winning that battle, but you have to give and take a little bit with Manny Diaz's type of defense. When you are chasing after the quarterback, when you are blitzing, when you are leaving about three, four, or five guys in coverage uh, and, and sending the house, you are going to be exposed to plays over the top, especially if you have a confident quarterback on the other side. So I, I don't want to say, well, James, you're going to have to live with it, Uh, There's some things that you can obviously clean up, but the only way you can really do that is you're just going to have to relax from the blitzing. And and I think that if Manny Diaz is going to run this defense, then that's the way it's going to have to be. Fortunately, you have a capable secondary that has been limiting the explosive play, if you will. So big plays are being given up, but not as big as they could be. And I think that's why that is because the secondary is as good as it is.
Also in that quote, uh, James Franklin highlights that Manny Diaz has adjusted to the team and the team has adjusted to Manny Diaz. One of my biggest concerns with losing a defensive coordinator who's been with James Franklin for seven years at Penn State uh, was that consistency and that the defense wouldn't be to this point at this point in the season, allowing a substantial number of big plays to happen, giving up a lot of points, not seeing the results that you want. And you've seen a lot of good results from the defense, the eight takeaways over the past two games, uh, holding a Purdue offense to 24 points, holding an Auburn SEC team to 12. I mean, the defense rock stars all over the place, and Manny Diaz has gotten the best out of them. It's not in college football, it's so difficult because you don't get a preseason, especially with Penn State's schedule this year. They jumped right into Big Ten play, and they've been able to fine-tune a lot of these wrinkles on defense, which actually I'm very impressed with. Uh, but Manny Diaz is a defensive guy, and he's got a lot of talent to work with. The last quote from the press conference is one about Smith Vilbert. Uh, James Franklin was actually asked specifically about Smith Vilbert, the defensive end who had three sacks against Arkansas in the Outback Bowl last season, and he's been unavailable. The question was asked, Smith Vilbert started the bowl game last year and seemed to have a really good game. He has not been in uniform this year. I assume that maybe there was an injury involved there or whatever. Now he's on the scout team. Can you clarify where he's at? And James Franklin said, yeah, he's just not available. I'd like to sit down with Smith and make sure that me and him are on the same page. Again, we talk about all the time, whenever, whatever it may be, whether it's injuries or whatever it may be. I don't like to make announcements here publicly before we have spoken, so we're all on the same page. I've got a ton of respect for all the players in our program, and I want to be respectful of their situations, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's academic, whether it may, whatever it may be. I want to be respectful of those things. I'm really proud that Smith Vilbert is a part of our program, and I'll leave it at that for right now. Ooh, a little ominous uh, from James Franklin. Uh, he's not by he's not throwing uh, Smith Vilburn under the bus by any imagination, but this this does become a little interesting now uh, in the fact that he has been on seen on scout team, and James Franklin really just said there there are other issues that could be going on, and it's not necessarily injury related. It could be still that an injury maybe slowed Smith Vilbert's progress coming into the season, and he's just not exactly finding his way back. I. If I'm being honest, I just think guys at defensive end have outperformed him. I think Amin Vanover has outperformed him. I think Denai Dennis Sutton came right onto campus and has outperformed him. I mean, he was a five-star recruit. I am not surprised by that. And, and over the summer, I said that Denai Dennis Sutton eventually will work his way into either the first or second rotation and will jump a guy like a Smith Vilbert uh, or even a Nick Tarbert. And that's exactly what's what's kind of unfolded here. Uh, so despite the three sacks in the Outback Bowl, uh, it shows that you were only as good as your next performance. You were only as good as your next game. Uh, so Smith Vilbert might have had three sacks in that bowl game, but what is he doing currently to make himself better and make the team better? 
My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Tomorrow is the crossover episode with Carter Bird of Locked On Northwestern. Don't miss out to get the full preview of the Wildcats and the Nittany Lions here, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network.